This morning we come to a passage of Scripture that I hope will be an encouragement to you and I hope that will speak to you very specifically this morning. In this passage in Acts chapter 16, we find one of the great missionary calls, if you will, of the Scripture in verse number 9. It says this, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And uh, what, a, what a powerful passage, a, a powerful verse. I think a verse that up and down this country, no doubt, in America and across the world throughout the history books has been used in a great way to, to call men and women into the gospel ministry, whether that be preachers or evangelists or missionaries, whatever the case may be, no doubt this great Macedonian, often we call it the Macedonian call, the Macedonian vision, uh, has, has been used mightily uh, to stir up many a men and women for the work of the gospel. Um, but this morning, I don't want to look at that verse. Maybe with the Lord's help this evening, we'll look at that, uh, verse number 9. But I want to look at the verses that precede this verse. Um, that show to us very specifically how the Spirit of God led the Apostle Paul. I think, you know, I think it's, I was, I was looking, trying to find sermons even on this passage of Scripture, and it, it was quite easy to find Spurgeon. He, he preached on verse number nine. John Owen, he preached on verse number nine. Uh, John Chrysostom, back in the history books, he put a great emphasis on verse number nine. But I found it very challenging to find people who had preached and spoken on the verses preceding. And so, uh, I want to try to just, Speak about this morning the leading of the Spirit. How does the Spirit lead a person? And um, I think we know as, as Christians that the Spirit works. The Spirit is very real. And let, let me just make two, two big comments here right at the beginning as, as we think of the Spirit of God. Uh, first of all, we as Christians need to stop ignoring the reality and the work of the Spirit of God. We need to stop ignoring the presence, the very real presence of the Holy Ghost and the life of the believer. Let me even say, as go as far, in the life of the non-believer. I'll explain that in a minute. But I do remind you, we believe, we believe, founded on the Scriptures, in a triune God. What that means is that we believe first and foremost in one God. The, the, the Christian religion, the, the, the Bible teaches a monotheistic worldview. That there is one God. But it also teaches that that God, that one God, has three persons, right? God the Father, God the Son, and may we not forget God the Spirit. I think that in the Trinity, the most neglected person is no doubt in our world today, the Spirit of God. We all, no doubt, we know God, right? God the Father. He, we, we talk to Him. We, we speak to Him on a regular basis. I, I, you should. If you don't on a daily basis, then, then you, you need to get serious about that. We know God the Father. And no doubt we know the, God the Son, right? The Jesus Christ, the Messiah of the world, the, the Savior of sinners, the, the Savior of our soul. But often, and I, I think this is probably because 
in, in, in our modern day, the Spirit of God has kind of been hijacked by some of these far-off theologies, and it scares us a little bit. People who have, who have, have, have put on the, on the back of the Spirit of God this idea of, of some sort of absurd filling and absurd enlightening. Can I tell you that the Spirit of God must not be neglected because of others' false theology about Him? Just like we don't reject this, the Son of God because some people neglect His deity. Right? Just because some people have a wrong uh, Christology, a wrong doctrine of Christ, doesn't mean that we forget Christ that we don't preach about Christ, that we don't seek Christ's work in our life. Just because uh, other people have, have neglected... And we could do this with, with any doctrine of Scriptures. Just because somebody has misunderstood it or abused it doesn't mean that we need to be afraid of it. And we needn't be afraid of the Spirit of God because He is God. And the amazing thing is this morning is that if you are a born-again believer, if you are a true Christian, then the Spirit is in your life. The Spirit of God indwells you. So stop ignoring Him. And I'll be the first. I've been there. I've ignored the Spirit in the past. But may we be people who know it. Look, look, think about this. It was the Spirit of God, when you were lost in your sins, who began to convict you of your sins. John chapter 16. It was the Spirit of God at the moment of salvation, when you were justified, who regenerated you. John chapter 3. It is the Spirit of God, now that you are a believer and a true Christian, that indwells you. He lives within you. Think of that. God lives in you. If you're a Christian, let, let me not, not. If you're not a Christian, then may you believe on Him. Uh, may He convict you this morning. May He regenerate your soul. May He indwell you. But if you and I are, are believers, if we call ourselves a part of the true church, then the Spirit lives within us. He indwells. 1 Corinthians 6. And it is also that Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, that leads us, that guides us, that comforts us, that reveals truth to us from the Scripture, that intercedes for us in prayer. That is the Spirit of God in our lives. It is the Spirit of God who, who reveals the fruit of the Spirit in you. The fruit of the Spirit is not something that you came up with. You, you, you aren't just a joyful person. No, this is the Spirit's fruit in your life. Not your fruit, the Spirit's fruit in your life. Think of that. The fruit of the Spirit in your life. This is what we do. And, and we're called to walk in the Spirit, right? We're called to be filled with the Spirit. We're called to, to follow the leading and the guiding of the Spirit. And that's what this passage is about. Paul following the Spirit's leading in his life. Long before the great Macedonian call in verse number 9, the Spirit was very clearly leading him. And we'll look at that. So first of all, stop ignoring the reality and the work of the Spirit of God. And secondly, notice this. Stop pretending like you fully understand the, the work and leading of the Spirit, especially in the lives of others. Now, let me, let me precursor that. 
we can understand the work of the Spirit. There are many things about the Spirit of God's work that we can know. We know that He he speaks through His Word. We know that holy men spake as they were moved. We know that He was very present. The Spirit of God was very present in the penning of the Scriptures of God. We know that every week when, 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 when Pastor Moreland stands up to preach, we have obviously seen the work of the Spirit of God in a man's life. So we, we can know that the Spirit leads. Every single one of us, we could spend the rest of, of this week going around and talking about how the Spirit led us through different things. The, the Spirit led us together in marriage, many of us. The Spirit has, has, has led us to make decisions in our life, our decision to go to, to a university or our decision to, to whatever. We could go through in that and we would say we know that the Spirit is leading, but we must be careful not to impose how the Spirit has led us in a certain instance onto somebody else's life. Because this is all I'm trying to say. Let's not pretend like we fully understand the work of the Spirit. See, one thing about God is He's infinite. Which means that He is beyond our finite minds. We we don't get to fully understand Him. And, and I, you know, we, 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 I've heard it said, well, when we get to heaven, we'll, we'll really understand it all. No, the angels still don't understand it all. We, we don't, when we get to heaven, though we become perfect in the sense that we are sinless, we do not become God in that we have all knowledge. We don't become om, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. We don't become that. And so we won't ever fully understand it all. And so let us be careful with that. Now, I know that the Spirit uh, can lead one person one way and an, another person differently. He's led in our lives differently at different times. I mean, we, th- we think of the, the, the book of Job. In the book of Job, his friends came to him and told Job, here's what God's doing in your life. Right? Were they right? No, they were wrong. Some, some of them made some good points. Some of them made some valid, valid uh, understandings of who God is and the, and the like. But at the end of the day, Job, we know why Job suffered what he suffered. He suffered because God gave that to Satan. God told Satan, why don't you have a, a, a crack at Job, right? That's why all that happened in Job's life happened. Not because he was sinning. Remember that. That's what the people thought. And, and uh, John chapter 9, the, the same, the disciples come to Jesus and they, they say to Jesus in John chapter 9 verse 1, and, it came, and as Jesus passed by, He saw a man which was blind from his birth. And His disciples asked Him saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So the disciples come up with two reasons how God was working in his life. Either because he was a sinner or because God was a sinner. And what does God say? What does Jesus say? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents. So you're wrong. In other words, your understanding of what God is doing in this man's life is wrong. Here's what God is doing. But that the works of God should be made manifest in him. What was God doing in that guy's life? He was was revealing his majesty. He blinded a man. God, the the Spirit no doubt working, and, and the Son gave a man blindness, uh, an, an ailment, uh, uh, a brokenness, a, a trial, a temptation, or, or whatever you want to call it. Why? So that God could be glorified. 
And so I, I, I say all this to say, let us be careful not to say, well, this is how God's going to work in your life. Uh, and I, the reason I say all that, verse number 9, the Macedonian call, how many times, many of you have been Christians for a long time, but how many times have you heard a sermon about the Macedonian call and said, have you heard that Macedonian call today? Hold on a second. The Apostle Paul has already been on a missionary journey, and he's just now hearing the Macedonian call. So the Spirit of God was long before working and leading and prompting in his life. And the Lord had already called him into to be a missionary long before he heard that Macedonian call. And so I, I just say that to say, let's be careful. I've heard it, I've heard it said before, oh, you, you want God in, in your life? Well, then find the proof text. Find the proof text. Now, don't get me wrong. God is not going to lead you in your life contrary to his scriptures. He won't. And he often, very often leads through his scriptures. But he also leads, as the scriptures tell us, through things like through, through the word, through parents, right? He's given us parents for a reason. Through, through wise counseling. He, he, he leads us through situations. He leads us through desire. That's the, the psalm we read this morning. Delight thyself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. If, if you enjoy, delight God, l- learn to love God, then He's going to change your desires. He will give you the desires. Not give you the, the Mercedes or the, the Audi that you want. He's going to change your desires into His desires. You get that? He will give you the desires of His heart. He leads this way. He leads through preaching. Why do, we, why do we come? How many of you, let, let, let's be honest, Pastor Moreland preaches here every week. How many of you have been led through the preaching of God's Word, through the Spirit of God, through the preaching? Yeah, we hear it. And the Spirit prompts us. And sometimes the Spirit prompts you about something totally different than what the pastor was preaching about, right? We've been there, right? Because the Spirit leads, but He leads differently. Okay, that's all I'm trying to say. So those two things. Stop ignoring the work of the Spirit and stop pretending like you fully understand Him. Now, with that being said, how does the Spirit lead the Apostle Paul in this passage? Now, now again, I, I'm not going to encapsulate all that the Spirit has done in the book of Acts. Some people, the, the, maybe in the front of your Bible, or the front of Acts, it says the Acts of the Apostles. That's what it says in mine. The Acts of the Apostles. But I've heard it many said, said many times, it, it ought not be the Acts of the Apostles, but the Acts of the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. I don't, I'm going to use those interchangeably, just so you know. I don't mean one thing by one, and one thing by the other. The, 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 because that's what this book of Acts is filled with. The Spirit of God leading and prompting and saving and convicting and regenerating and, and, and speaking and all of this. The Spirit of God at work. And so, so I, I want to encourage you. Know the work of the Spirit in your life. How, how did the Spirit lead Paul? First of all, notice this. Paul continued in what the Spirit had already put in his life. Paul continued. Now let me, let me explain this. And notice what it says in in verse number 40. It says this, And Paul chose Silas and departed. That that, that required an action. Being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Then he came to Derbe and Lystra. And he found a man, Timotheus, there, right? He continues, 
Um, ver verse number 6. And he'd gone throughout Phrygia and the religion of G Galatia. Verse number 7. And they were come to Mysia and essayed to go into Bithynia. Verse number 8. They, they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. What was Paul doing? He was continuing in the way the Spirit of God had already led him. Now, to, to, to understand that, we, we need to understand what had just happened. And, and Tommy read it this morning, this, this great contention by, by Paul and Barnabas. Now, Paul and Barnabas were, were the best of friends. They were co-laborers, fo fellow laborers in the work of the ministry. But here they have this, in chapter 15, they have the great Jerusalem council. They, they talk about, they talk about um, the idea of circumcision and, and they discuss all that. And, and at the end of it, they're, they're, they're going to go, right? In verse number 36, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the Word of God and see how they do. They're, they're going to go. They're going to continue. And all of a sudden, there's this, there's this massive contention amongst them. Two brothers. Two, two men who loved each other. And it's a contention about something which, which might seem very petty. But no doubt, no doubt the Spirit was working in this. No doubt the, 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 the Holy Ghost was present. But he ends up dividing the two. But Barnabas takes Mark and, and Paul takes Silas. But Paul, instead of saying, man, this is discouraging, my, big, my, my best brother, my, 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 my friend in the faith, my, my fellow laborer has left me, I'm, I'm a put the sword down, take the boots off, and chill now. I know the Spirit led me once, but no. No, he doesn't do that, right? He, he picks up his sword, he straps on his boots, and he goes. I, this is the sword. He, he goes, and he continues in the work that God has already put in his heart and life. He continues in how the Spirit was already reading him. If, if you go to Acts chapter 9, the, the Spirit began working in his life, right? The, the Damascus Road. Uh, verse number 17, very, very clear. Uh, this, the, obviously, God is already working before verse number 17, but see how the Spirit is involved. And, and Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on Paul, his, his, on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, hath, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight, and notice this, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. You see that? That that here's a man, be, before he was called into the ministry, there are years that are going to pass after this, but this man was filled. See, the, the filling of the Holy Ghost is not just for preachers, not just for evangelists, not just for that one moment in your life when you get up on the box uh, in the open air and are petrified, not just that moment when you're having a conversation. He was filled and he was baptized and, and he continued. The Spirit of God not only indwells you, but ought to fill you regularly. And, and that's for the believer, for the Christian, for the one that's born again, right? The Spirit bloweth where it listeth, John 3, 8. That's, that's what we need. We need the Spirit in our lives. The Spirit was in, and, and Paul continued in that. In, in Acts chapter 13, then we see this very specific call in his life, right? And there, now, verse, uh, Acts 13, now there were in the church that was in Antioch certain prophets and, and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of, of Cyrene, and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. 
And the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Paul, and or separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereth whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, said, Now, how did he say? I don't know. How did he speak? I'm not sure. But he made it very abundantly clear to, to that body of believers and, and to the leaders in that church specifically that, that, that God desired Barnabas and Saul to be sent out as missionaries, as, as evangelists, as witnesses in, 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 in the world. And so Paul does that. But instead of after everything fell apart in Acts 15 and and it seems like he's unhappy and now he's stuck with Silas and not Barnabas and everything. He, he doesn't give up. Now, this is what I think we do. I think we have maybe once known, maybe I've been born again. I've once known the filling of the Spirit. I knew the Lord called me to do this, that, the other thing. Called Maybe the Lord prompts you to come early and pray. Maybe the Lord prompts you to go into the open air. Maybe the Spirit leads you to, to invest money. I don't know what the Spirit is leading you to do. But when He does, this is my encouragement, continue in that until He stops you. See, we, we think that, well, I've done it once, I've done it twice, I went on one missionary journey and I'm good to go. But if the Spirit of God has put something in your life, don't just put a plaster on it and appease the pain for a moment. Continue in it. I, I've, I've seen this before, how, how the, the Lord is, has prompted people, and, and we see this in church, that if I can just go to church once this month, it'll, it'll, it'll help with that pain a bit, that, that prompting of the Spirit, the stabbing of the Spirit in my life to, that's prodding me to do something. And I just go to church once this month and it'll be good until the pain gets unbearable next month. No, continue in it. Be faithful. Carry on with it. And that's exactly what Paul does here. As, as you see him do that, we think, well, well, I've done my part. I, I did it once. But continue. F Philippians 1.6 that says that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. In other words, if God is working in your life at the moment of salvation, let's say, then He's going to continue in that. He, he's not going to stop. So don't give up on Him. Don't think, well, the Spirit's not talking now. Don't, don't throw in the towel. Continue. You know, you, you see that. And I love the verse in 16, verse 5, in Acts chapter 16, verse 5. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. That's the Spirit of God. If you can't read that and see that, then look, Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. Not you, not you, not me. The Spirit of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, working and building His church. That's God at work. These churches are established and they're growing in number. Recognize it. Recognize the work of the Spirit in your life. See, this, I, 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 how many times have we seen this? I, I, I believe that one of the greatest reasons that we as Christians don't feel like the Spirit is leading us is because we refuse to see His work. And this is what I mean. 
I believe that if we were honest with ourselves, and, and I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with somebody, a Christian, and they said, I just don't feel like God's leading me. I just don't feel like the, the Spirit's in my life. And then we start to say, well, what did you do this week? And they're like, well, I was out in the streets and some random guy came up to me and asked me if I knew Jesus. And I started talking to him. I gave him the gospel. And it's like, hello? Can you not see the work of God in your life? You say, I feel so bad that I'm not reading the Scriptures. Yeah, because the Spirit's putting that in you that you, you feel like you need to read the Scriptures. I, I think we, we know the work of the Spirit, but we don't give Him the credit. We know those promptings. We, we hear that little gentle voice, that still small voice, but we refuse to listen. We refuse to listen. We read His Word and, and we feel that tug, I, the, the brokenness that people have time and time again and they're saying, man, I just want the Spirit to work in my life. The fact that you want the Spirit to work in your life to me seems to be a revelation that the Spirit is working in your life. So go after it. Have it. Continue. Think of that. The, Paul was continuing in what the Lord had already shown him what the Lord had already spoken to him about, and he was on the move. He goes to Phrygia, he goes to Galatia, he goes to Bithynia. He doesn't know where he's going or why he's going, but he's going. For, for him, he was going back to where he'd already been, right? So he goes to Iconium and to Lystra. Then he, then he goes uh, west into Galatia, into Phrygia. For some reason, the Lord doesn't allow him there, so he goes upward into Bithynia, thinking that maybe the door's there. And then the Lord pushes him back down to Troas and Mysia. And the Lord is, is funneling him to this port city, right? Why? Because he's going to leave the west, leave the east, pardon me, and go to the west. He's going to leave Asia and go to Europe. That's what the Spirit was doing in the Macedonian call. Like, opening the door to Europe with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, think of that. That's incredible. But the Spirit was funneling him into this one point. But he would have never got there. He would have never got to Troas, where the Macedonian vision would be heard or seen, had he not continued in what God had already given him to do. Even though the door seemed shut. And now, I, I get that. There, don't get me wrong. We must wait on the Spirit. We must listen to the Spirit. We must do that. But, but this, this, is, this is what I'm saying. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't stop listening. Don't stop praying. Don't stop reading. Don't stop seeking the Spirit to work in your life. Just because in a moment you don't feel Him does not mean that He is not there working. Because you are indwelt. With confidence in the Scripture, He is in your life, if you are a Christian, working. Trust Him. I'll say this again. If you are not a Christian, then feel that conviction, because that's the Spirit. If you're not a Christian, read the Word. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. That's it. You, you, you're, you're, you say, man, I'm missing out on the Spirit. Maybe because you don't, you've not been born again. Let me show you um, Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 is all about the, the work of the Spirit. Romans uh, 8 verse number 14. It says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
If you are here this morning and you say, I, I don't know if I'm a Christian, well, is the Spirit leading you? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And if you are a son or daughter of God, if you are part of the family of God, if you've been adopted, then He will lead you. It might not happen the way you want it to. And it might not happen the way I say it's going to happen or, or Billy says it's going to happen or anyone says it's going to happen. But would you continue to listen? Continue to pray. Continue to read. Continue to seek the Lord. Wait on Him. And go forward with what He's already given you to do. One, one man told me, and this is a bit, bit of a cliche. I know I try to avoid that. But he said this. He said, do what you know and you'll know what to do. Now, this is what I mean. If you don't know what you're to do, well, then just obey the Scriptures until the Lord makes it abundantly clear. There are enough commands in the Scriptures to get you and I on the move, to get us in the Word on a daily basis, to get us on our knees in prayer regularly, to get us into the streets trying to be a witness, whether that's just at the, the grocery till or the coffee shop, trying to be a witness. We're commanded to do that. You don't, you don't need to wait for the, the Macedonian call in that regard. God's made it clear. Go. Do that. Right where you are, in the corner that the Lord has given you to fight in, fight. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because it's a war. Get in the fight. Continue. Now secondly, luckily for you guys, there's only two points. First of all, Paul continued. And then secondly, notice this. Paul was constrained. So, so Paul, the Lord had already begun working in Paul's life, and he continued in that long before the Macedonian call. He continued in that. But as he was continuing, the Spirit constrained him. Now notice what this says. Uh, Acts chapter 16. Ver verse number 6. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden, they were stopped, they were, they were constrained of the Holy Ghost to preach the Word in Asia. Now, I don't know what that looks like. What, what does it mean? They were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the Word in Asia. Uh, did he lose his voice? I don't know. You, you know, I, I think if, if, if you're honest, I read, reading commentators, they, they have every commentator has a different view or a different idea of what it might have been that the Spirit did to constrain him. Maybe it was a physical trial, a health concern, right? Uh, Paul, we know, was, was given a thorn in the flesh. Some people think he couldn't see very well. I don't know. He was given these things to, to restrain him, to stop him. Maybe it was a lack of peace or an unsettledness. How many of you have been there before where you think, I want to do something, but I just don't have peace about it? Oftentimes that's the Spirit of God. This prompting you, uh, a persecutions. When when the church in Acts chapter eight was scattered, it was because of persecution. Think of that. The Lord God Almighty, the Spirit of God, worked through persecution to spread His people unto the nations. And and He still does that, right? Think of how how churches across our world have have grown through persecution. That's, I mean, the, there's so many scriptures about that. You think of uh, two, 2 Corinthians almost as a whole is about persecutions from without. 1 Corinthians persecutions from within the church, 2 Corinthians from without. Think of that. 
Why? Because people suffered persecution, but the Spirit of God uses that. He might have done that. There are other promptings of the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Sometimes you just get an urge. Well, follow that urge. Now, not if it's a sinful urge. And that's why you got to be rooted in the Scriptures. God will not urge you to do something contrary to the Word of God. My whole point is this. The Spirit of God would not allow Paul and Silas and Luke and Timothy to preach. He wouldn't allow it. He said, stop. I, I have no clue. And so what they do, they, they've gone to Phrygia. Um, they've gone to Phrygia and to Galatia. And the door seems shut. And so they think, well, where else in Asia Minor can we go? We'll go north. We'll go up to Bithynia. Right? And so they were, and to Mysia. After they were come to Mysia, were they assayed to go to Bithynia? They, they wanted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Said, no, you're, you're, you can't do it. You're not going that way. What a, what a strange thing. You, sometimes we think, well, uh, so I want to do something for God, and then He shuts the door on you. We'll continue. Keep, keep going. Keep seeking. This is what the Lord was doing. And I, I, don't, I don't know what, what all is. Some people believe that because Luke uses the Holy Ghost, right? Luke is writing the book of Acts. He's a, a physician. He's a very smart man. Uh, that maybe he uses the Holy Ghost in verse number 6 and the, the Spirit in verse number 7 because the Spirit, the, the Lord was leading in two different ways. That's very possible. Sometimes the Lord shuts a door one way and then shuts another door another way. Why not? But, but no doubt the doors were shut. And, and I think this is what we learn from this. We, as Christians, are often on the hunt for open doors. Lord, would, would you have me to do this? Would, would you want me to do this? And we ought to. Be on the hunt for open doors. But I want you to know that oftentimes the Spirit of God leads through closing doors. And don't be surprised when you determine because you felt that this is what you should do and you were following the commands of God, don't be surprised when you say, I'm going there, and the door hits you right in the face. Don't be shocked by that. Why? Because that's the Spirit of God leading. He does that. He closes doors. One funny thing about doors is they don't only open. They also close. And another funny thing about doors is they open and then they close and then they open again. And then they close again. And then they open again. That's Paul's life in Asia Minor. In Asia Minor, this is where he's at right now, where he's going about in Lystra and Galatia and Phrygia. This is all in Asia Minor. He had just spent his whole first missionary journey in that area. And so the Lord, for some reason, had opened that door to him. Then all of a sudden, he closes that door, as we're looking at in this passage. Then, so Paul goes to Europe, goes through Europe, and then guess what? The door opens again, and Paul goes to Ephesus, the school of Tyrannius, and is there for at least two and a half, maybe three years, and all of Asia Minor is reached with the gospel. So the door was opened again. And so just because in your life the Spirit of God has opened a door once doesn't mean it's still open. Just because the Spirit of God has closed the door doesn't mean that it's still closed. The point is this, that the Spirit of God 
will open and close doors. He will work in your life if you will continue to listen to him. Just because a door is closed does not give you or me the right to hang the Spirit of God up and say, man, the Spirit of God is... He's a, those, those weird people far off on the left who, who have all sorts of fits with Him. No. The Spirit of God indwells every believer and He is leading. The question this morning is, are you and I listening? He will lead you. I believe that. Read, read Romans 8 if you don't believe me. Romans 8 is about how the Spirit of God is at work. And so I encourage you that, that way this morning. I had a teacher, a professor at Crown at seminary, who, Dr. Samworth was his name, and he said this, if you think a door is open, stick a foot in it. And what he meant by that was if you see an open door, an opportunity that, that the Lord is pushing you towards, then at least stick a foot in it. Don't be so faithless or fearful that you won't. Think of, think of, uh, of Peter as he, he saw the Spirit of God walking on the water. The door was open at that moment to, to step out of the boat and to trust the true and living God that he could walk on water. None of the other disciples do it, but Peter does. Think of that. The door was open and he stuck a foot in it. Uh, as he was going, he lost sight of the Lord and he began to sink. That's a whole nother sermon, but you, you get the point. My, my point is this. Let us stop ignoring the Spirit. Let us stop pretending like we fully understand Him. And let us continue seeking Him and trust Him just as much as we trust Him to open doors, to close doors. Uh, it is okay. It is okay in this life, and especially as Christians, to fall flat on your face. That's okay. The, the big question is, is will you get up again? The righteous man falleth seven times, but riseth again. Trust the Lord. Trust the Spirit. Listen to Him. Pray. Read. Don't give up. Don't give in. Continue. Let's pray. Lord, we thank Thee for the Spirit of God. We thank Thee even now that the Spirit intercedes for us making our prayers better than they could be with our human lips. Lord, we trust Thee. We, we look to Thee. We need Thee. I pray and I ask that these words would encourage this people. Lord, I thank Thee for how they've encouraged me. And I just ask that Thou wouldst thou teach us all to wait on Thee, to listen to Thee, and, and to continue to pursue Thee and Thy work and leading in our lives. We trust these things and pray them in the name of thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.